Amen. Let's pray together. God, we are so thankful that um, we get to read of your wonderful hand at work, God, the way that you heal and multiply and even raise the dead. Um, but God, you have told us that that same power uh, that raised you from the dead is the same power that is within us and that, God, you rose from the grave. You didn't only die on the cross, but you rose from the grave. You are alive today. You are moving uh, in our midst, God, and we are very thankful for that, that, God, we don't just read about your wonderful work historically, but you have even designed it so that we might experience that today. And so, God, would you give us eyes that see your hand at work. Lord, may we join in where we see you working. And God, we are, we are praying uh, for more miracles here. Um, God, not to lift the name of Trinity Wesleyan Church, but to lift your name high. That is why we share these, God, because you are so worthy of our praise and our honor uh, and our glory in every way. And so, God, thank you, thank you for all the ways uh, that you are moving uh, in our midst. And we say, do more, Lord, do more, and do more with us. And in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I will say, if I can add my little piece, I'm very thankful that uh, Becky and Craig Kimmel could be with us today. Do you guys just mind standing real quick? <laughs> so, really good to see you guys. So that's what we're going to do over the next three weeks, the series called What's in a name. Uh, the thing is, is that uh, when we look at the Old Testament, uh, we can see that even beyond God, that they began to give God uh, some different names. I wrote some of them uh, down here. Uh, Jehovah uh, Rapha, God is our healer. Jehovah Shaman, which is God is always there. Jehovah Nisi, God is our battle fighter. Jehovah um, Rabbi, which is God is our good shepherd. Uh, Jehovah Suri, uh, God is uh, our rock. And so there's many times where God has moved. And so at that time, they would build an altar or they would proclaim, uh, this is who God is. Now, when we first understand uh, God uh, having a name was actually at the burning bush, uh, where we learn that God is uh, Adonai uh, to Moses in that moment. Now, you can imagine, though, uh, for uh, his people, the Israelites in the Old Testament, um, that there was also some kind of, uh, I don't want to say, but like funny things when it comes to the name of God. Um, there, there was a, a great fear, and especially happened when they got the Ten Commandments. There was this great fear for the, the misuse uh, of the name of God. Um, it's not quite the way that they practice what God met in the Ten Commandments. Maybe somebody will look at it. But it was a concern of theirs, you know, that they didn't want to misuse the name of God. So, so eventually, you know, it kind of Adonai, you know, they didn't want to use that in case they messed it up. And so it ends up getting transferred uh, to the word Yahweh. Um, if you, you know, if you've seen that word uh, sometimes. In fact, Yahweh and, and Jehovah are kind of seen as simultaneous because uh, Jehovah was actually the kind of the, the Latin version of pronouncing um, Yahweh. Now, when they said Yahweh, uh, you know, they also uh, took out the, uh, the vowels of it. So it was kind of like Y-H-W-H. -H. 
Uh, and so that's how it kind of got uh, translated uh, to, to Jehovah. And so we have these, it's Yahweh and these names, Jehovah and these names. And so what we're going to look at uh, for the next uh, three weeks today uh, is um, Jehovah Shalom, how God is uh, our peace. Uh, next week is uh, Jehovah Shabbat, which is uh, God is the Lord of hosts. Uh, and then finally, uh, Jehovah Jireh, uh, God as our provider. Now, we could actually have a much longer series, you know, with all the different names. Maybe someday we'll come back and revisit some others. But, you know, this is what we're going to look at over uh, the next uh, three weeks. And so I'm going to read the scripture in point number two at greater length. But if you wanted to turn to Judges chapter six, uh, that's where uh, we get the Lord is our peace. So why don't I go ahead and just read these verses, uh, Judges 6, 23 to 24, and then we're going to go back and fill in the rest of the story. But the Lord said to him, talking to uh, Gideon here, peace, uh, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. And to this day, it stands uh, in Oprah, uh, that's, that's not the talk show host, but uh, uh, of the uh, Aborites. Um, and so, uh, you know, this is where we learn uh, that God is our peace. And so when you hear the word shalom, uh, I want to unpack this definition a little bit more. But um, when you hear the word shalom, it is indeed the sense of harmony and serenity. Um, it's also uh, peace on the inside and peace on the outside. We're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes. But the other portion I want to even talk with you about now and that is that shalom also conveys two aspects uh, that are held here in the definition of peace with God and the peace of God. And what that means is, is that um, there's actually two distinctions to that, uh, two differences as, as the Old Testament looks at it, um, that actually there's, there's a peace with God and a peace of God. I will say this, that you can't have the peace of God without the peace with God. And what it's talking about here is that notion that, um, you know, when uh, creation happens, right, God is speaking the world into existence, and eventually there is Adam and Eve. We're talking Genesis kind of 1, 2, 3 here. And Adam and Eve are in the garden. Uh, there is a tree there in the garden, um, which is kind of like, uh, the only kind of, of rule or principle for the Garden of Eden. They can work and they have this beautiful relationship with God. They have communion with Him all the time. It's just of this one tree they are not to eat. And of course, if you've read the Bible, you know in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent comes along and deceives Eve, and that's exactly what she does. And so all of a sudden, now there are curses that are pronounced upon the serpent and upon Adam and upon Eve. And a part of it now is not being a part of the Garden of Eden, uh, but being exiled from there. And it is from that point, since all of us, uh, you know, derive from Adam and Eve, that we are actually born, um, you know, not with God. Um, you know, we're, we're actually born with this sin nature and this bent that actually moves away uh, from God. And, so, and, and God knew that for all of humanity. And so, so much of the Bible is that story of bringing it back together. And we know that 
eventually he sends his son. And through Jesus' death on the cross, us acknowledging that as the gospel and the good news, and receiving Jesus into our life, confessing our sins and what we've done against God, that uh, we now through Jesus might have peace with God. And that's a big part of shalom, this, uh, this idea of having peace with God. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So this is the way that Jesus is our peace with God. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So all of this that we speak about peace and how God is peace, that it all stems from that first point of having that right relationship with God, understanding that Jesus has died on the cross for us and has made a way for us to have peace with God. He's actually, what the Bible calls it, uh, is a, a peace offering. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, uh, I don't know if you've, you know, there's, there's different kinds of offerings, you know, that you actually do, uh, you know, for different things, you know, different sins that are committed so that you can get right with God. I don't know if you ever really delved into the, the peace and the fellowship offering, because it was, it was a bit of a unique one. Uh, it was an animal sacrifice, and that animal kind of depended on your income, uh, what you were able to give, and what you were able to bring. Um, but actually, a, a part of the peace offering, I think this might help you out. Um, have you ever uh, read the scripture in John 6, you know, where Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, that you won't have eternal life. Have you ever read that and be like, you know, <laughs> like, huh, that's what, that's what he's saying, you know, <laughs> like, like, how is that exactly, you know? Well, what he's actually referring to is uh, this peace or fellowship offering. And so what would happen sometimes with this peace and fellowship offering is something you would actually share with the priest. And so rather than these big ceremonies and large crowds, I want you to think of a very different um, you know, sacrifice that the people would make. And that is you'd bring this animal personally, and then you, you would come and, and watch the priest divide it in half and, and would sacrifice this animal. And so what that would be is kind of your, you know, confession, you know, that, that you have, you've, you've committed sins. But the way the peace or fellowship offering was a little bit different is that actually once the sacrifice happened, you would come to a table and share a right portion with that with the priest, priest representative of God. But the importance of you actually, you didn't do this with all the sacrifices, but with the peace and fellowship offering, you actually would partake of some of the animal and ingest it on the, on the inside. And that was so important because what you, would, you were doing as you partake with the priest and you would actually partake of the sacrifice and eat it on the inside, it was you receiving the forgiveness of God. You see, Christ has died upon the cross, but we have to receive it. And so in that same way that you were actually you know, partaking of the flesh and blood of this offering, 
think this is what Jesus is saying. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. What, what he's saying is, is that you have to receive the forgiveness. And you have to live in that peace that I'm offering you. That is unto eternal life. And so we see how that is the way it was in the Old Testament. And then the way it is, you know, with, with, with Jesus. Is that we have to receive this forgiveness so that we might have this peace with God. But also a part of shalom is not only offering this peace with God, but this peace of God. And there's a distinction here. Uh, in Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 32, 17 says the effect of righteousness, and this is really important, the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness is quietness and trust forever. And the reason why, you know, it's an important distinction is that when, when we have received this peace, we've received this forgiveness, and now we have this peace with God, his whole design is for now the peace out of our peace with God that now we would have the peace of God with us. Does that make sense? And it's upon our life. And God wants us to walk in that peace. But the fact is, is that we can do things, <laughs> you know? We can kind of run our life without God. You know, we can be, you know, having kind of like a, you know, secret sin or, or you know, to be sinning, um, you know, even as we are a Christian, and what we realize is, is that what we're doing in that moment is that we, we may not be sacrificing our peace with God, but we're sacrificing the peace of God in our life. So that's why it's so important. You know, just as he says here that the effect of righteousness will be peace. You know, the effect of pursuing God with our lives, following him, learning from his word and, and living that out and being obedient to him, praying to God and having that communication and living that kind of life, it results of the peace of God upon our life. But sometimes when we live in undisciplined ways, when we are disobedient to God, we surrender that peace of God that he so desires for us to have. Does that make sense? The peace with God and the peace of God is a part of this shalom. So then we, let's move to point number two, where God is peace. And uh, I'm just going to read this story, but because it it's just this beautiful interaction. We're kind of going to let God's word, uh, you know, speak to us. I have maybe just a couple of points, but can't do much better than this. And so in Judges chapter 6, we'll pick it up at verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged uh, to Joash the Azurite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, that's actually kind of funny. Uh, because, <laughs> As we know, we think that Gideon was actually possibly a bit smaller in stature, but he is uh, totally in hiding <laughs> uh, at, at this moment, uh, you know, just in, in the, the, the darkest cleft here. 
Um, and so verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord was with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of the Median. Right? I mean, this is what has happened here in Judges. We see this, you know, so much judgment as people walk away from God, as God's people walk away from him. There's this judgment and there's this difficulty. And so, so Gideon's saying like, um, hang on just a moment. <laughs> I, I understand that you're with us, but I, I just want to say it doesn't really feel like it at this moment. <laughs> you know, I mean, here we are in hiding. We are in these caves and the, you know, clefts of the rock. We're just so scared. Um, in fact, you know, he even goes on to uh, kind of outline it uh, a bit. Um, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in strength and you will save Israel from the Mediites' hands. Uh, am I not sending you? Verse 15, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I'll be with you, and will strike down all the Midianites, uh, leaving uh, none alive. Uh, and so, you know, here he's just saying, like, Lord, it's not good. I, like, I understand that you brought us out of Egypt, you know, but we, they're under this great oppression uh, very, very difficult lives. The Medians have taken livestock and they've done so much uh, to Israelites' people. Uh, Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. The Lord said, I'll wait until uh, you, you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from uh, an epitaph of flour, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in the basket and its broth in a pot, and he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and with the tip of the staff um, that was in his hand, fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Then Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, and he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it stands in Oprah uh, as with the Esbarites. Uh, and so, you know, here's this interaction that he has with Gideon, and Gideon realizes that it is the Lord. And Gideon is now having a hope uh, that, you know, God is going to make it different. And so um, he builds this altar and, and he says, uh, God is peace. Not that God has peace or God was peace, but that God is peace. And so from then on, uh, God was Jehovah Shalom. God was the peace uh, of his people. One of the dynamics, if you remember, we talked about biblical definition of peace, that there's peace with God and peace of God. Uh, there's another dynamic to shalom as well, and that is this, the peace on the inside and peace on the outside. And so, you know, even today, uh, Hebrew people, Jewish people uh, may greet one another with shalom, 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 shalom. And what they're saying to one another is that I I'm asking that you be blessed with peace on the inside and the outside. 
Now, for a long time, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know. <laughs> but if you think about it and relating it back to Gideon here in this story, that what God is saying is that I am with you and I am your peace. And that what God desires in our life is for us to have both an inner and an outer peace um, to our lives. Now, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because uh, <laughs> when it comes to the peace of God and we think about it that way, um, there's a couple different applications for us. And that is that one is that sometimes when things are kind of crazy on the outside, God can give us a unique peace on the inside. That our peace is not dependent upon outward circumstances, but our peace is dependent upon the Lord and his presence in our life. And so there are times when things can be pretty chaotic and crazy around us, but it doesn't mean that we have to forfeit the peace that God wants for us to have on the inside. And we also say too is that sometimes I think we can kind of give this portrayal that everything is peaceful. I'm doing good, I'm doing good. But really, really what's going on is that we are a raging storm on the inside. Is this just my personal confession? You know, <laughs> you know, can't that be, right? That, you know, we're, we're kind of portraying, like, yeah, I'm fine, we're good, yeah, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. But, but if people really knew, like, on the inside, it's like, we are just like, oh, you know, like, this could happen, and this is happening, and this is going on, and that, that's going on. And that's why God desires for us to have both a peace that is, a, a, you know, kind of around us on the outside and a peace uh, that's on the inside as well. And so, you know, before God has ever changed the situation with the Medians, he is giving to Gideon here a peace uh, on the inside. And so I want to just encourage you today that if you've got a lot of craziness that's going on, and, uh, you know, even sometimes, right, I mean, I, you know, there was a time that I, I just, I had to shut off the news for a little while because it just felt, it felt like, what else is going to happen, you know what I mean? Or, or, you know, as we were going through COVID, like in early days, and this would happen and that would happen, and you're like, well, surely this won't happen, and then it would, you know what I mean? I, you know, like, like, here's the thing is that, you know, what God knows and what we can lean on and trust in with God is that as we're pursuing Him, that no matter what's happening on the outside, he can give us this deep peace, this peace of God um, that is filling us and that we are walking that out. We have to be trusting him. We have to be following him. But God uh, so graciously gives that to us. Point number three is uh, maybe an oxymoron, possibly, as you see it, but I, I call it the work of peace. The Bible says, Blessed are the chaos makers. No, right? <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers. And so not only do we want the peace of God in us, the peace of God around us, but we would like for God to make us an agent of peace. You know, that we might walk around. I mean, that's one of the ways, folks, that, that's one of the ways as Christians I think that we can be distinctive today is not jump into the stream of anxiety and, and all those things 
you know, that so many are experiencing, but rather come to God, lean into Him, have Him be a resource for peace and calm and quiet in our lives, no matter what's happening. But it's also the work that He's given to us. You see, now that we understand that there's peace with God and that there's the peace of God, I think God says, this is the work I want you to be about. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The fact is, is that if you know Jesus and you understand what he did on the cross and how he rose again, God has given you a message in the way to be reconciled with God. That that's what every person needs. They can't leave this earth without being reconciled to God. And it's the message that you have and it's the ministry that he's given to you. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. I will say this, is that, you know, as we're here and as we're journeying together, and especially in some of the ways that maybe we're watching God work and make a difference and lead people to Him, and, and you know, and it just feels like, you know, this is wonderful what's going on in our church. We, we can't underestimate. We can't be unaware. You know, as Jonathan Edwards said, I know I've said it before, is that Satan's a blockhead. He only has one tactic, and that is disunity, you know. And so we've got to be aware and on watch. And we've got to be careful in guarding our own hearts that in no way God makes us an agent of chaos and disunity, but that we are an agent of unity and peace, and we are contributing to the church in all of that kind of way. And that we are challenging, you know, like to something that we, you know, might be spoken to us or something, that we're challenging folks and we're saying, look, uh, okay, but we need to work towards peace here. How, how do we get there, you know? We don't want differences and division and disunity to foster in any kind of way because we realize that God brings us together in the unity of the gospel. And that's how he moves and keeps moving um, uh, in our lives. And so let's be the peacemakers. Like in Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of many bodies, no, as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. How is it that we experience the peace of God? Well, it's reading his word, it's following him, it's doing what God has called us to do, for sure, but it's also, I believe God has let us know that peace may be found in prayer. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Have you experienced that kind of peace? That kind of peace that even when things were just crazy around you and things, you know, you just couldn't imagine you'd be peaceful in this moment, and yet God gives it to us. I pray you experience that over and over, that you would have this tremendous peace that's a part of your life that 
You know, you, you, can't, you can't even explain. You can only say it's from God. And then finally, this promise, and then I'll wrap us here. John 16, 33. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so I just want to remind you this morning that he is Jehovah Shalom, that he is our peace. He wants you to have peace with him. And he wants you to have the peace of God too, each and every day, even on a moment-to-moment basis. May God richly grant each and every one of us his peace. Let's pray together. Lord, I give you thanks today that indeed you are our peace. (laughs) Disorder and chaos, strife and war, these are not of your heart. But you have come that we might have peace. Jesus, thank you that you've shown us a way to have peace with the Father, that we might have eternal life that we might be adopted into your family. And Lord, thank you that you don't even just reconcile us to yourself, but you give us the peace of God in our lives. I pray, oh Lord, that we might seek it, that we might walk it out in our lives, that no matter what goes on around us, no matter the difficulties of family or work or whatever else it might be. Lord, I pray that we might walk in your peace, that calm faith and trust and confidence in who you are, that you're a God who keeps his promises. You're a God who is always with us. And so, God, even right now, I just I pray for any that came into the sanctuary, Lord, but really, if we were to open them up on the inside, it, it, it would be a crazy mess. So many voices and so much difficulty and, and anxiety and worry. God, I just speak peace into their lives. Ask God that you'd show them the way of peace. And God, help us to be agents of peace. We don't need to compromise. <laughs> we don't need to compromise. But Lord, we can be proactive agents of the peace that you offer. For Lord, that might be the way that some will say, I want the peace you have. God, we thank you for all the ways that you're working in our midst. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. In a moment, we're going to.